Welcome to the Olive Podcast. I'm Janine, Olive's Deputy Editor and Podcast Host, and each episode I'll be catching up with chefs, cookery writers and characters from the food scene in Britain and beyond. Join us each week to expand your food knowledge as our guests share 10 things we need to know about the specialist subject. And do listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where they also reveal their top cooking cheats, hacks and shortcuts. Okay, I'm delighted to welcome Heath Ball to the podcast today. Heath is a publican with three great pubs, the Wenlock Arms in North London, the Lockhart Tavern in Sussex, and my favourite local, the Red Lion and Sun in Highgate, which has won tons of awards, including Best British Pub, UK Wine Pub of the Year, and most recently come in 10th in the country in the Top 50 Gastropubs Awards. And actually that made you first in London, I think, which is <laughs> yeah, fantastic. That's amazing. Welcome, Heath. <laughs> Thank you. So you obviously know what you're doing. I, I'd like to think so, but probably not, but yeah. <laughs> I think people would disagree with you. Um, I've asked you here today to talk to us through what you think makes a really great gastropub because you've obviously got some insight. Um, let's kick off with the whole vibe of the pub because I know that's really important to you. Yeah, talk us through that. I suppose it's like you know, it's 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 like this, like multiple parts of a puzzle all coming together at once. And, yeah. You know, I suppose to get I've been in so many average pubs, food wise, I should say, but. But the atmosphere is amazing. And if you get the lighting right, you get the staff atmosphere right, and you get the, the music right, and you get the vibe right, it all sort of comes together. And it's just like a meeting of minds of all these different, you know, I suppose, yeah. components. And I think it's hard to do. I think it's really like it's, it, it is a bit of a, it's, you know, it's almost like, you know, um, conducting an orchestra, trying yeah. to get all everybody in the same energy. Because you, your staff will turn up and some will be had a great weekend out or, yeah. you know, like they'll be tired. And then you're trying to get them all on the same level. And then, you know, your lights, you got to get the lights right. You got to follow what's going on and the music. You got to make sure the music's appropriate. So you're just constantly looking. And I think it's, it takes a bit of time. In terms of getting that right, have you ever kind of, or do you ever like sit in your own pub as a punter and think, ah, oh, that music is a little bit too yeah. loud or all that? Because, I mean, you have to experience it really, Oh, many times. I go and sit on tables. If customers complain about certain things, I'll yeah. go and sit on the table and try and work out what's wrong. Yeah. Like the noise is wrong in that room. It echoes. I'm always looking and seeing what's, you know, like, because every night's different. You yeah. have different customers who are louder at night and, you know, you're trying to, I really try and sort of create the room when you go, okay, I know this table is going to be quite loud and I'll put them over there. If they're regulars, I know they want to be on that table. And I try and make sure the room, oh, he's got loads of children, so I'm going to put them all down that end of the yeah. pub. And you're constantly looking how the room's going to work for service. Yeah. So, yeah. And you mentioned stuff there, which I know is really important yeah. to you. And you've, you've got a lot of stuff who've been you for a long time. I mean... How do you find them? What do you look for? How do you, how do you keep them, more importantly? I, I think, I, I got asked this question earlier by another operator. Um, I've got really high staff retention. Yeah. Everybody who works for me has worked there a long time. Head chef, 14 years. Um, since he was a commie manager, I think you just look after them. And yeah. you treat them with respect. You know, we were talking, I was talking to another colleague about staff food, and I treat, I feed my staff really well. Like okay. If you work in a single, you get fed before you start work or if you, when you finish work. If you work in a double, you get fed and you eat practically off the menu and, let, you know, within reason, you're not going to go and eat the, the high end steaks and stuff. But yeah. um, you want them to feel, you know, part of a part of a family. And I, yeah. I've always looked after them. I think, you know, I used to work in hospitality in this country in the 90s and I remember getting cornflakes for star food and, you know, it wow. used to wind me up, you know. So I look after them, pay them really well, pay them above, you know, um, I suppose the minimum wage, but they make they keep all their service charge. They get it all. Yeah. Um, pay them weekly. 
Um, and also look after them, you know, like, you know, we do loads of staff training, which is always fun, especially wine training. Yeah, um, I was going to say, because obviously um, it's one thing, you know, serving people in, in that situation. But if you if you haven't ate the food or tried the wine, like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's, I've been to so, I remember being in a really fancy restaurant in London once and I said, oh, your signature dish, it says it's spicy. Like, what level of spice am I looking at? And the, the waitress was like, oh, no, I haven't tried it. And you're like, oh, you know, you've got a... You know, my team can quite confidently say you can ask about the wine. They go, oh yeah, that's really nice. We tried that. Yeah. So, you know, um, I think you just got to treat them with respect and, yeah. and you know, be friendly. Absolutely. Yeah. Let, let's talk about the food because obviously, you know, gastro pub of the year. Um, it's it's obviously really important. How how long does it take to get that right? I mean, you know, that. Div- <sighs> See, we're not we're not fancy. You've eaten there many times. I know. So, I, know I, have, I know it's not. I mean, I've I've. I've got a slight problem with the word gastropub because yeah, I just, just it almost it just sounds a little bit stiff. And that's not what you are. Well there's yeah, there's I think there's two like if you've got the yeah. top fifty gastropubs and you, yeah. you draw a line down it, you've got the ones of a Michelin star, yeah. really, you know, well known chefs who are super fancy and they do tasty menus and you know, like Steve Harris, Stephen Harris out at the, you know, um the sportsman and stuff. And those, you know, it's an experience and you go there and you'll probably go there once in your life, maybe twice or yeah. We're more, you know, really solid cooking, really good flavors, not trying to be clever, but you come two times a week, three times a week yeah. when you come every Sunday. Do you know what I mean? That's the difference. And I think we're we're not trying to be clever. We're not phones and, you know, and like, you know, you're sitting there and you go out on a date and you're Googling words on the menu because you don't know what they are. Yeah. Like, we're not that. We're just really comfortable when you come and you relax and... You know, it's 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 a home. You know, it's food you could probably cook at home if you really had a bit of skill, but no one's got time or energy these days, yeah. or can afford the energy on it. So I think. Yeah. How long? Do you, how long did it? Do you think it took you to to really get into your groove with the menu? You know that you've got now because. I think 2015, I think um, I used to hire chefs and they used to tell me what they were going to cook. <laughs> yeah. And I'd go, okay, yeah, cool, cool. You guys know what you're doing. And then I, after my last head chef left, my. Um, who at the time was my sous chef, yeah. um, who trained us all the way up, he's my head chef now, said to me, I was looking for someone else. He says, listen, boss, I can cook the food. I'm just not very creative. I, you know, I don't know, like, I can't sit there and put dishes together. You tell, yeah. me, you tell me what you want. So from there, we sort of sat down and I sort of went, okay, this is, this is you know, I love food and drinks. So I was like, okay. And I started writing the menu with the chef and we'd have conversations like, okay, I want to do that. And you go, yeah, there's too much work on the hot section. And my wife's a chef, so I can have conversations about food with her. And, yeah. um, and then since then, since we've sort of collaborated, me and the head chef have got together and we've actually worked out. And then I know what people want to eat because I go around and eat and drink all the time. <laughs> And you know what I mean? Like I say, I just want food that I want tasty food that people want to eat. So I'm constantly looking at what's going on. And so we have conversations about it. And since then we started in 2016, it was the first time we got placed into the top 50 gastropub. And since then we've been in it every year, which is consistent, which is, you know, that's why McDonald's is successful because they're consistent, (laughs) you know. Is there anything you ever put on the menu that just completely bombed and you were like, no, that was a mistake? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We try Like sometimes we'll try stuff, but since we write a daily menu, you can put it on and you can yeah, go. Yeah, I guess. It's right, not a thing. Yeah. We'll, buy t- we'll, we'll make 10 of those and if it doesn't work, we'll take it yeah. off. So I don't know. I'm trying to think. Um, right, on the flip side, is there anything you've taken off the menu where people have gone, where the, where's that gone? Oh, uh, jerk chicken. Yeah, that, I, I know about your jerk chicken because my brother-in-law always 
always used to order it. <laughs> it's like I had a chef at the time who used to work in the Caribbean and he came back and he was working for us and he's like, oh, boss, can I make you a jerk chicken? And I was like, oh, mate, every time I've had jerk chicken, it's terrible. It's dry. Not, yeah. Yeah, it's just not nice. He said, okay, trust me, trust me. So off he went and yeah, he marinated the chicken for like a day, you know, 24 hours and he did all these things. And then he made me a jerk chicken with jerk chicken sauce and, you know, he made the whole like – from scratch, made yeah. this, and it was amazing. And I was like, oh, God, like it doesn't, at the time I had this where we want to be and gastro, you know, you, you're sort yeah. of looking at what everybody else is doing and you try and keep on the same sort of path of what English gastro food is. And, you know, and I think I got caught up in that for a bit and you're trying to think, okay, if we're English, and but English food is, I say gastro, but well, food in the UK is very yeah. diverse. And, it, you know, so I was like, okay, so we'll put on this jerk chicken dish and it's cooked on the bone and it, it, like, it's lovely. Um, so we put it on and it was, it's been a phenomenal success. But every time I take it off, there, there is like <laughs> proper trouble. But I have to take it off just to give the menu a breather on that dish and put yeah. something else on. And, you know, we'll put, we'll put it on chicken milanese or we might do a really nice Japanese katsu curry. But every time I take that, that, that dish off, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I, 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 yeah, I've had people get genuinely really upset with me. So it's one of those dishes. I suppose it's like fish and chips. It. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone that follows your Instagram, um, We'll see that there's the occasional um, off-menu order. Tell me about oh, those. Yes. I want to know about them. <laughs> so we, yeah, I just realised that, like, you know, I'd love to put on really yeah. like great dishes all the time, but it's really hard sometimes mm. to, to sell them. So we we created a sharing menu that people can pre-order: right. suckling pigs, uh, whole turbot, sea bass. Um, we'll do coat de birth. Um, just stuff that's a bit more tailored to what table yeah. wants. So um, we're doing a suckling pig this weekend, I think, for a customer, um, and it's just a bit more fun, yeah. you know. And it shoulders a lamb. And do you get do you get the thing where like someone sees that and goes, "Where's that on the menu?" Oh, yeah, Calls yeah. you over. Hi, excuse me. I was, How do I get that suckling pig? I was taking about three kilos of Scottish langoustines um, to a table the other day for a function, <laughs> and I had this lady, well, like, well, why aren't you selling them? Why, why, what's wrong? Why are they? You know, I was like, no, no, they've. Got them especially. That's <laughs> oh, ridiculous. I'm like, well, yeah, next time you can pre-order them. So, yeah. yeah. I love it. Um, let's talk about the beer because that's what most people come to pubs for, to find yep. a decent pint. Um, can you explain exactly what's involved in serving a great pint? Well, I suppose, I suppose the one where, where which winds me up with most yeah. pubs I go to is they don't clean the beer lines. Right. And it sounds like general housekeeping to most people, I suppose, but once a week you've got to run water, and this chemical, special chemical through the lines to remove all the yeast and all the rubbish that's built up over the week. And then you run water through again, then you cook, you, you connect the keg back up. Yeah. Sounds really simple. It's a, it's, it's, it's a bit of a, you know, it's a bit of a pain yeah. of a job to do because if you get the chemicals on you, so we wear special clothes. But if you don't do it weekly, your beer goes funny. And it tastes funny. And the first beer to go is Guinness. It's always the first beer to go. Right. The head goes really funny and the beer tastes a bit funny. So um, I get rewound up when I go to pubs. And I was in a really fancy pub mm -hmm. down in the city the other day and ordered a pint of Guinness. And I was like, I can't drink that. I, oh. re I really can't drink that. And the guy got a bit offended. And I was like, no, man, seriously. You know, I don't want to bore you, but I do this for a living. You, you need to clean your beer lines. And that was more than a week. I could tell that was more than a week they've done that. And it's just wonder how many times people are getting served rubbish beer in this country. And it's it's just real laziness, isn't it? When that's well, when that also forms a, the main part of your. Well, like, it's also a cost as well yeah. because you've got to throw beer away to right. to get it out of the line. So, yeah. you know, if you've got if you've got three pints in the line, which is quite common, 
um, you're throwing those three pints away. Yeah. Unless you're going to, you know, some people we used to, when I was first started working in pubs in this country, um, we used to clean the beer lines on a Saturday night. And that was our sort of staff party every Saturday. We'd be drinking all the beers. <laughs> 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 but, um, you know, I just can't handle doing that on a Monday morning now. <laughs> um, but yeah, housekeeping is really important with, yeah. with beer. I think it's, as ba- it, it's like, yeah, just even getting the basics right because everything's built up from that as well. Well, you've got to, we, we're serving really fresh beer. I suppose when you go to the supermarket, and that's the difference, that's our USP. In a supermarket, you're buying cans of beer and you don't know how long yeah. they've been in the case. But we've got kegs of beer that come in and they're only like a month, two months on the right. on the keg. Okay. And you've got to sell them. Yeah. So it's fresh. Yeah. It's brewery fresh beer. Yeah. So I suppose you've got to look after it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, we have to talk about wine. Yep. And, why that, and how that's become an integral part of what you do. How did you weave that into the idea of the pub? Because you didn't serve it right back at the beginning, did you? Yeah, I suppose I in the, initially in the beginning, I had quite a, like, you know, a boring wine list where I sort of, you know, I listened to wine reps who tell me, and they'd go, okay, you need to have a Malbec and yeah. you need to have a Sauvignon Blanc and you need to do this and you need to do that and we'll supply the wine. And I was like, oh, okay, I was, you know, this is 15 odd years ago. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, sure. And then I love wine. And then the more I got into it, I was like, man, this is rubbish. These wine lists I'm seeing everywhere are just generic rubbish. So I went down the rabbit hole with wine. And if you see my list up there, it's crazy. Like I print daily my wine list because it's always changed. I'm buying bottles, you know, fine wine people. I'm buying some six bottles of that, two bottles of that. But I, I love wine. I really like it's a real passion of mine. So. You know, and we saw that when we won Best Wine Pub in the Country in 2016, and then we won it again in 2018. Yeah. And my list is always changing, and it's and I don't – I suppose I was talking to someone about this the other day, and they didn't really understand what I was saying. So we work on a cash margin where most businesses and hospitality, the, the accountant or the managing director will say, we need to make 85% profit on that bottle of wine. Right. So they'll buy a bottle of wine. I'll give you an example. Um, very fancy restaurant at Mayfair. Sell a bottle of wine that costs 22 quid. They sell it for 174 pounds. What? Yep. Exactly. I have the same wine on my wine list at 50. Wow. So I make two, 22 quid off it. It's a Cote de Rhone Blanc. It's an amazing wine. We sell loads of it because I put on social media, this 174 <laughs> quid at this fancy <laughs> <laughs> this fancy restaurant Busted. in Mayfair. Yeah, I love and it. We, but so I don't. Like, you know, my house wines, I make a bit more. But then I generally just, like, yeah. if you want to come and drink, you know, a really famous Bianchi Santi, um, Brunello, you know, I'll just put a cash market, yeah. cash market on but it. But I was going to say, because you've also got some great uh, bargains on there as well. Yeah. You know, it's not like it started, like some places, we'll not mention, yeah. went to recently where the wine starts at like 37 quid a bottle in a pub and you're like, really? Come on. Yeah, I just think that. It just prices people, people who just want to go for a nice Sunday lunch and a bottle of wine between two people. It's like, you don't want to pay that much money. It's too much money. Yeah. And it's just, and you know, like I'll know what they're, like the, for me it's really hard because I go out and I look at wine lists yeah. and I know the wines and I'm like, and that's a four pound bottle of wine. Yeah. What are they doing? Like yeah. you've got to think duty is what, two pounds thirty, two pounds forty. So how much juice are you actually paying for in that bottle of wine? Yeah, exactly. So I just yeah, I, I wanna I've always wanted to change the way we drink wine in pubs in this country, yeah. but no one really listens to me. And is it it's I guess it's your passion that's driving all of that then? Because you're doing yeah. all that work, aren't you? Yeah, I write the wine list. I so in the old days I'd listen to people and they tell me what to do, you know, like wine reps and all that. Yeah. Now I just go, no, nah, no, nah, I know what I want to do. I know my market. 
I know what I can yeah. know what I can push and what I can't. You know, I'll put on some really esoteric, crazy wines I know that people won't buy, but I'll put them on on a really low cash margin. So anybody who knows wine goes, we'll try it. Oh yeah, yeah what's that? Let's yeah. have a go. Or you know, it's a bit more experimental. And you go on trips to kind of sort of. I, I, <laughs> I mean, you managed to <laughs> fold it into some nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that's the best part about the job <laughs> visiting the wineries. You know, I can't. I've got some like truly memorable moments yeah. of just being in great wineries, drinking wine with really great people and. Um, yeah, I love I, I love the industry. <laughs> um, also, wanted to just give a nod because it's um, we're actually uh, recording this on on Margarita Day, apparently, and that's a Margarita Day, and a nod to the Margarita um, <laughs> cart. What would you call it? Cart truck? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, we got a Margarita cart. I think that that Margarita cart saved um, the business during lockdown. I yeah. think um, we went full tack with um, a Margarita machine and. Um, during lockdown and now it's iconic and it's an, it London. is iconic yeah. <laughs> I've enjoyed several of them they're pretty boozy eh? yeah, <laughs> they're lethal yeah um but yeah, I think you can you can still go and get a takeaway mug from yeah, there, can't we, you? At any any time you're open, we yeah. do. Yeah, we do takeaway margaritas, which is great in summer's days or you know spring yeah. days when you're walking the dog, takes the edge off the day. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I think that forms part of what we were going to talk about next, which is hospitality as well, mm. which is kind of going that extra mile to give people, you know, something that makes them feel a bit special. I think I think we've lost that. I think yeah. you know the more I look around the industry, and it's all owned by big corporate companies who who are in the business to make money, yeah. you know, proper money. And I think you, they lose that because they've got managers in place and the manager says, you've got to do this and you've got to make this much margin and your GP's got to be this and your staff costs got to be this. And they're running it like, I don't know, an accountancy firm. Yeah. And what we really, what we forget is in hospitality, we're here to give people a good time. Yeah. And, you know, like I, so many, we, we're really, like I think we're quite generous at the pub and we're always looking after people. And But I just want people to have a good time. And, you know, what does a pint of beer cost these days? It's not much. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, um, I think you've got to give, I think, I think the industry's forgotten what hospitality is and it's yeah. become a, it's become a money-making exercise for a lot of companies. And, you know, life's really short and sometimes really hard. And I think we need to give people a good time and a reason to come to the pub and choose your pub over any anybody, anybody else's pub. Yeah. And yeah. I think that, um, I was talking about this yesterday with Lucy Doe, who runs a micro pub in Hamwell and, um, and we were talking about community, but also the nice thing about, you know, that cheers thing where you mm. go to a pub and people do recognize you. And it does make you feel kind of warm inside, like, oh, that person, it, it makes you want to go back there and, you know, spend your money there because you feel kind of part of something. And that's why staff retention's important. Yeah. And because it all helps, you know, when you say, oh, you, who's in today? And you, they know, and they know who to look after and they know what's going on and yeah. they know if there's a problem. So, yeah, I think it's the, the cheers factor is a great analogy because. Remember watching that, and they'd all walk in. Norm would walk in, and then Cliff would walk in, yeah. and they'd all. <laughs> yeah. But people want to go somewhere where they feel welcome. Yeah, and sure. you don't want to feel like you're just, uh, you know, you're just getting fleeced for your money and paying mm. crazy money for pints. Yeah. Um, we were going to talk about patience because you said <laughs> Rome wasn't built in a day. It's a famous <laughs> phrase, but um, I know it. It took you a while to oh, get your get your place oh. established in the face of you know a little bit of resistance. I guess they hated me. <laughs> They really genuinely, I got a, my, my favorite letter I've ever, or postcard I've ever received in my life was a second class postcard from a customer calling me a yuppie moron for ruining their favorite pub. Oh my God. I've still got it. I've still got the photo. I've kept the photo of it. It's just, but that was, you know, when I first took the pub over, they didn't yeah. like change. And um, I lost a lot of money in the beginning. I remember I was just thinking, but I had nowhere else to go. And I sort of believed in what I was doing and I yeah. thought, well, I'll get there. But um, it took, it took like five years. 
Yeah, it took five years really? of like graft to sort of to start making money. Like you know, I was always you know losing, making, losing, but then just to get it in. But um, what do you think changed then? I mean, was it just literally like chipping away at, at what what you needed to do? I think people started getting it, right. like, especially like people started actually get what I was trying to do. I think in the beginning it was a bit like, what's he trying to do here? Was he trying to be too clever? You know, what's this? And you know, a daily menu, and you know, even though it was quite common with a lot of gastropubs, but up in Highgate yeah. it wasn't. It was sort of, they were just a bit... Highgate's a tough market, though. I mean, there's a reason why they only ever seem to have, like, chain restaurants surviving there. Like, I haven't seen... I've seen loads of independent restaurants go down there. They're really... They're like, I think once you're in, you're in. But yeah. they're really, like, they just, they're just really hard to break. And, yeah. You know, they're a very affluent area. And a lot of these customers will just go and dine in London and then come home for the evening. They won't... Yeah, you know, the local that. market's quite tough. Yeah. But a lot of operators come in and go, it's Highgate, well, they've got loads of money. It's not like that. Yeah. They're, they're more fickle. What, so w when you first moved into the Red mm. Line Sun, was it, w what kind of pub was it? Uh, carpets, uh, plasma screen TV, plain EastEnders, uh, fruit machines. Wow. Oh, it was proper. I've got an old photo. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was very different. I stripped it out. Me and my brother-in-law and my manager now, Paolo, um, we stripped the whole place out and basically did it by hand and got another mate who was a painter and he painted it and... Um, really proud then opened and everybody went, oh, that's rubbish. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but it's developed over the years. You yeah. know, I've constantly reinvested and, you know, spent money on it and um, tried to make it somewhere that I want to eat and drink. Yeah. yeah. We were going to talk a bit about communication because you said it's so important to, you know, when people get reach out to you that you reply. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I think like, you know, how many times do you ring somewhere and like, I suppose like really fancy restaurants, yeah, but pubs, communication is really bad. Yeah. Like no one answers the yeah. phone. So we, we're always making sure my manager's always like on the phone, answer the phone, check emails, read them daily because it's important because it's business and you've got to make sure you're constantly managing every channel of communication. Yeah. It's hard because there are these days, you know, you've got people who are sending you messages on Google Instagram, it gets really hard sometimes, but you've just got to, I'm on it all the time. I'm just checking, yeah. replying, holding email, check, check, check. But it's important. Yeah. I think customers, you know, need to know you're there. And you also said, you know, if you do make a mistake, just be honest uh, about owning up. Brutally honest. I'll tell them exactly what's happened because there's no point lying. Yeah. And sometimes I tell them what's happened. I tell customers stuff and they look at me like, that didn't happen. I know it did. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. it, like the chef hit that guy and he fell over and they fell and then they rolled in the flour and the, your pie's gone. But um, yeah, we always think, you know. <laughs> did that really happen? You know, we've had some crazy ones. Like I, I dropped somebody's, uh, I was taking a customer's cake to the, uh, the cold room one day and I, I fell and dropped the cake. <gasps> So you imagine, like, hey, I know you bought this really nice, expensive cake. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've really dropped it, <laughs> but I'm going to make it better. <laughs> I'm going to try and organize something. Oh Let's get you some drinks. But, um, yeah, I think you just got to be honest with people. And that, everybody knows when they've been lied to. And also communicate, like, times on – If it's, we always put the top of our menu because we've got a really small kitchen. Food can take longer than normal at busy times. But we always communicate, hey, how you doing? Listen, food's – we're really struggling a bit today. Food will be with you as quick as possible. Yeah. You know, and you always try and, like, you know – you know, a free drink goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. And also like folding into that, I know like you're saying politeness as well yeah. is important because you just don't want to be faced with some grumpy. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I do grumpy at work and everybody else does polite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it's like just, good cop, bad cop. It's a bit like that. But yeah, the staff, I think. Oh, come just, on. You're lovely. I've seen you <laughs> swanning around being charming to everyone. I don't believe yeah. it. It's a bit like sometimes I feel like bezel faulty some days. Yeah. It's just a bit of breakdowns. But um. Yeah, like the staff, it's just, it's important. It's really hard because you, like, yeah. you're dealing with personalities of people. So you're trying to get staff that are really on board with the same energy and, you know, yeah. and, and 
quite lucky with that way. You know, some of them have bad days, but generally my staff are really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, obviously, given everything that's happened, you're you're absolutely nailing it. Um, but we're still in the midst of, you know, energy crisis, cost of living. So it's, it's been really tough for you guys. It's well, just, it? it's like you come out of COVID and you're still... You're still shaking and bruised and you haven't got a chance to get back on your feet. And yeah. then they bring VAT straight back up. Nice one in Ireland who've kept it at 9% for another six months now. But you haven't really recovered and you're a bit broken mm. mentally and physically. And then you go straight back into it and they're just hitting you. You know, before we had support from the government and now it's sort of like, well, you're on your own and you've got food inflation and hospitality has got to be, you know, yeah. punching about 30%. Wow. You've got wages going up, which... Even though we pay above minimum wage, means I still have to put my wages up. You've got the energy bills, which are just, I don't even know what to do anymore. I just look at them and just go, you know, there's no profit that month because the energy bill's literally done yeah. that. And then you've got British Gas taking record profits. So it, it does, it, it really seems unfair. But I don't know if, if they don't do something, I mean, generally soon, we're going to see if I'm struggling and I'll be all right, but I'm still struggling. I'm not where yeah. I was, you know, before. If I'm struggling, what, what's everybody else doing? You know, we're yeah. seeing businesses fold. We saw Mark Sargent recently with his new place in Kent fold. It's crazy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like I don't think, you know, you, we've got no room to breathe anymore and it's really, it's really quite tough. I mean, that's what we're trying to do in Olive with the Love Your Local campaign is just say, you know, these places, as you said before, that your pub isn't some like Michelin starred don't touch me pub. You can go in for yeah. a pint and a snack. You know, you can just go in for a pint. You can go and get a frozen margarita. Yeah. You can take your dog in there. You can take your kids in there. Well, we, you know, you we, know, we've it, just put in really great coffee from yeah. Workshop Coffee and it's like constantly just retweaking the offer yeah. all the time so people, even if you don't want to drink, come and have a coffee. Yeah, just you know? come down there and, you know, yeah, see, well, see Heath. Yeah, <laughs> You'll not be grumpy. <laughs> Sometimes. Monday morning. Yeah. But yeah, you've got to. You've, <clears throat> I think you've got to use your locals, and I think yeah. otherwise we're just going to end up. They'll be turned into flats, and then, uh, you know, I know there's this big thing about alcohol and all this, and the government and they want to. Yeah. But it, it's part of this, the fabric of the society. It's absolutely, the part. Yeah, part of and the fabric of our society, and we we just can't lose that. We can't. You know, we've got customers who come in, and they're, they're, you know, they'll come and have their drinks by themselves, and you know, you know, what I mean, they feel welcome, and it's yeah. like if we lose that, what are they doing? They're sitting at home drinking cans of beer from the supermarkets. Yeah. It's, it's not the same, is it? Yeah, exactly. And what what have you got coming up this year? Have you got anything new happening? Or hopefully, working on a um, a new project, which I'm probably mad, but I'm I'm trying to do like a wine, a wine offer. A wine. I won't say bar because I hate the word wine bar. <laughs> I'm going to call it a wine saloon. Oh, nice. Um, trying to find a location. I'm, I'm looking yeah. around, but I want to do something um, focused around wine. Yeah. But in central London on, but working on cash margin um, and really offering, wow. probably won't make any money, but I'll have a good time doing it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just do, just do a really cool, amazing yeah. wine offer that people, you know, it's not hipster, it's not elitist, but it's just everybody can come like the pub. Yeah. So people can discover it and really get, yeah. yeah and just have fun. So yeah. I'm working on that. Love the sound of that. Um, and then just really, I suppose, just trying to navigate you know, what's going on in the yeah. economy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and people, um, is Pub Hobbit where people should keep up with what you're doing? Yeah, maybe the red line. Pub Hobbit's my sort of personal account. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, but it's both the pubs and that, but I've been really slack on that one lately. But the red line and sun's always the one you see. Red line and yeah. sun. And you'll, you'll be able to see if, if, if you're doing any wine stuff on there. Yeah, I'll be do. putting stuff on there if I do something. Cool. You know what I mean? It'll brilliant. Be, yeah. Oh, well, thanks for coming to chat to us today. It's been, it's been brilliant. Thank, Thank you. you. 
Thank you for listening to the Olive Podcast. For more information, head to olivemagazine.com and look out for our Love Your Local campaign online and on our social channels, where we'll be highlighting pubs we love and sharing our favourite recipes from them. You can also share your own favourite pubs with the hashtag OliveLoveYourLocal and we'll include them in our roundups.